Hi, everybody. Good to be with you this morning. My name's Tim, and Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, man, I tell you what, I see lights going up and and uh, a lot of people out. Traffic's crazy, and it's really cool to see everything up and running so much right now during this Christmas season. I know you've probably been busy yourself. Um, we listened to a song. Our grandkids were, I think one of our grandkids was singing. Um, uh, you better watch out. Amazon is coming to town. Like I don't know, something like that. I don't know, something like that. It's like it, uh, Amazon's been visiting us quite a bit as well. But uh, it's good to be together uh, the, today and this morning, and and I hope that uh, you'll be blessed as we're together as we look at this uh, series on Christmas. We're in a series called Christmas. We've misspelled it on purpose because uh, the idea of it's about us. It's about God and us. About you and me. It's about God's church. It's about God visiting this earth, coming to this earth personally. He didn't come by proxy. He didn't send a card. He came himself to this to this planet uh, to to really take care of us. Wanted to be with us. And so here we are talking uh, in this series just about Emmanuel. And one of the things I want to talk about this morning is the sign itself, the sign of Emmanuel. Signs are everywhere. Right now, signs of Christmas, but also signs are just everywhere, period. We use traffic signs and signs supply so much information. Uh, They tell us uh, things like what's here, how to get there. There's 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 signs that will tell us there's danger ahead, warning us. And we live with them all the time. You passed by lots and lots of signs on your way here this morning. Signs telling you, here's the exit, here's the street. There's McDonald's if you need some coffee, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we really rely on signs. Uh, we, we use them all the time. We, uh, we, make, we have label makers. We'll even put a little sign on some of our things because we want people to know who they belong to. Uh, we'll, make them, we'll make signs that say yard sale. We'll make signs that are a little more fancier. We want people to know some things, information, direction. That's what signs are for. And signs are all over the Bible. And one of those signs is found in Matthew. This is the sign we're looking at in this series. It's in Matthew 1, here on your notes and up here on the screen. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All these things that happened, he says, all the things that happened with Mary and Joseph, all the things that were happening to this time were, were for this purpose for this sign that the, there would be a virgin and she would give birth to a son and it would be God's son and he'd save the world and his name is Emmanuel. But it's said through a prophet. Have you ever noticed that? It says, who's this prophet he's talking about? He says, it's, this is said to fulfill everything that this prophet had said about this. Well, what is it? Well, it's a, he's referring to the prophet as, uh, the prophet he's referring to is Isaiah. And if, if you... Uh, or if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow, well, let me read a little bit from Isaiah here. This is Isaiah 7 is where this sign is. And I'm just going to read a little bit. If you want to listen, you can. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, king Rezin and Amram, and Pekah, son of Ramallah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, 
So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. When the, when the Lord said, then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct in the upper pool on the road of the washerman's field. Say to Ahaz, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because these two smoldering stubs of firewood, even though they're as angry as they are with you, even though they're plotting your ruin, and they're, and they're saying things like, uh, we're going to invade Judah and tear it apart and divide it among themselves. Yet you hear these things. This is what the sovereign Lord says to you, Ahaz. This will not take place. This will not happen. You see, the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. And so these guys are not going to destroy you. And then he says this, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you'll not stand at all. Then the Bible says here in verse 10, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether it's from the deepest depths or the highest heights. And here's the sign God gives Ahaz. He basically says, this is the sign you'll be given. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And that's what the verse here says. It's hard to associate Christmas from the time of Isaiah. Joseph and Mary aren't around. The wise men aren't around. The shepherds aren't there. There's no frankincense, gold, or myrrh. There's no manger. There's no drummer boy. There's nothing that associates... By the way, there's no such thing as a drummer boy in the Bible. But there's no thing, nothing really any Christmas connection here in Isaiah 7. No, this was given over 700 years before Bethlehem. And it's during a time of turmoil and unrest for, the, for God's people. See, what's basically happened is, is that this one nation is now in a civil war, and it's been in a civil war for a long time. They're divided. There's the north and the south. We understand that in America, what a civil war is. There's the north and the south. The north still being called Israel, made up mostly of the tribes of, of God's people, most of the tribes. And then there's Judah, which is in the southern part of the, of the nation. And it's there, Jerusalem, the capital city, the holy city, where the temple is. It resides there. And as when you start reading about how things began f- to fall apart, shortly after Solomon's death, the country splits in two. And from then on, in First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you read about the accounts of these kings, and it's almost like you have one king ruling another king, and then he dies, and this king rules a while, and you follow along. They go back and forth. Here's what's going on in the north. Here's what's going on in the south. Here's another king. Here's another king. And we get to Ahaz, who's the king of the south. It's of Judah. He is from the line of David. And thing is, see, God promised David's house. He promised, God promised David that there'll always be someone from your family line that's going to rule on the throne. And so you, you watch, you follow these guys, then you get to Ahaz. And Ahaz is being attacked by two particular kings. The northern king happens to be in Israel, is Pekah. The other guy is Rezin, and he happens to be the king of Damascus or Syria. 
And they joined together to try to persuade or force Ahaz to join them to fight against a superpower named Assyria. And Assyria is one bad nation. When they took over a town, they cut all the hands off the dead and they would nail them on the walls of the entrance of the town. I remember years ago when I was a kid, they used to have these little hands that would wave on the windshield. When you walked into a town after Assyria got through with it, there's these human hands, decomposing hands, to warn you to say, this is a bad country. Historical accounts give us some insight about Assyria, just how ruthless they were. One time, a river quit flowing, and so they sent some, some people up to find out what was going on. It was blocked by the dead bodies that the Assyrians had slaughtered and put in the, in the river. These are bad people. So Pekah of Israel and Rezin of Damascus are scared to death and are saying, Ahaz, help us. And Ahaz goes, no, I don't want to help you. I'm not going to help you. You better. And they begin to attack all the cities in Judea. And they, and they finally get to Jerusalem, but they cannot overpower that city. And the Bible says that when news of what they were up to reached the ears of Ahaz, he's terrified. And so is the whole palace and all the people. And they don't know what to do. So God sends this prophet named Isaiah to tell him, to give him a sign. And this sign in the Old Testament has the same message as the sign in Matthew that we associate with Christmas. A lot of people that have talked about these two signs. Does it have a double meaning? You know, was there a child born at this time? And there's lots of arguing both sides about this. And who knows, maybe. But we do know this. This is something you and I can know. That Matthew in the New Testament confirms that this sign is about Jesus Christ. We can know that for sure. And most often the New Testament kind of gives you a heads up of what an Old Testament prophecy, its fulfillment, and explains it. And, and Matthew does the same thing. So as we get ready for Christmas, I want us to look at this, this sign that really wasn't, it's not been associated with Christmas at the time, yet it has the same message, the same meaning for you and I. And it's vital that we pay attention to this sign, that we accept this sign, that we believe this sign. So what does the sign of Emmanuel confirm? Number one, the sign of Emmanuel is for everyone. Aren't you glad? <laughs> See, I can understand why Mary and Joseph and Simeon, all these guys got... Uh, all these people, the shepherds, the wise men, they all included in this sign. They're so, you know, Mary and Joseph, what sweet people. They're so sweet, they're so innocent, they're so humble. Humble shepherds, I get that. But when you read about this sign given and for the first time, it's a sign given to a man like this. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as God. Ahaz is not a perfect man. He's got some problems. He's got some character flaws. Absolutely. Unfaithful to God is what he is. And he has poor values 
and he has some bad habits. He offers, for example, he offers his son to an idol by fire, burns him up in front of an idol. He also defiles the temple. He goes, he goes to Assyria, he becomes friends with Tiglath-Pileazar, and he likes it. He's so impressed by what they do, he brings some of those religious habits back to, back to Jerusalem. And what he does is he, he rearranges the temple. He changes the temple up. He brings in their altars instead of the ones that David prescribed, that Solomon built. And if that's not enough, he doesn't place his trust in God anymore, but places his trust, places his trust in an evil nation. And yet I notice something. God extends his mercy to this man. He extends his grace to this man. He continues to talk and communicate with this man. He continues to love this man. Anybody, let me ask you this. Do you have anybody, you have a list, everybody's got them. Do you have anybody on your list that you don't, you're not going to talk to? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to talk to them again. They've hurt me. They disappointed me. So I avoid them. You say, I don't have a list like that, Tim. Well, okay, I guarantee you, you're probably on somebody else's list. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but Ahaz would not be on my list. He wouldn't be on the A list. I wouldn't want to, I would want to avoid somebody like this. Yet God says, no. The sign is for everyone. It's for Ahaz. I love this. Probably one of the best phrases or the best verse in this passage is found in verse 10 of Isaiah. Look at this. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. He speaks to him again and again and again. This evil, corrupted, messed up guy. He keeps talking to. He keeps communicating with. He doesn't give up on Ahaz. He loves him. And so he's going to try to reach out to him and try to persuade him. Listen, folks. You and I may have never given up a child to an idol by fire. But I bet you all of us as parents can think of some times we've blown it as a parent. Am I right? Maybe, maybe you, you can think of, I've never defiled the temple. And, you know, we've never tried to defile the temple, but I'll tell you what, I've done some peace, I've done some work on this one. How about you? The temple of God with some of the habits and choices we've made. I'm guilty of that. And I'm, I may not be, by the way, I may, may have never, we, you and I may have never looked to a pagan nation to help us. To trust in a pagan nation. I say that tongue in cheek. Because America seems to be becoming more and more pagan. Am I right? I, I, I don't want to lean on a pagan nation. And I, I don't want to be guilty of that. And you probably haven't been guilty of that. But I'll tell you something, folks. We've all been guilty of leaning too much and trusting too much in money. In possessions. 
in people, that we find our security in those things, in our spouse, in our children, and not in the Lord. So there's plenty of hypocrisy for everyone. Amen. If you can't hear me, that's okay. <laughs> there's plenty of this. You see, we've all sinned. We've all fell short. We've all messed up. And praise God that the Emmanuel, that the friend of tax collectors and sinners would come to us, live among us, see what we're up to, humble himself, and die for us. That he would die for the Mary and Josephs, but he'd also die for the Ahazes. And this sign is for you and for me, to remind, just to remind us whether we got it 700 years before it came or 2,000 years after. This sign seals this, this fact from, the, from heaven that it's for you, it's for me, it's for us. And it's for everybody else on our list. It's for those that we don't want to speak to. You know, it's funny, I found, found interesting. The shepherds immediately are told, go and you'll see a sign, a baby in a manger. And what do they do after they see it? They go tell everybody. They're not told, only tell a few people now. Only tell the worthy ones. <laughs> They're not worthy. They knew exactly who needed to hear this. Everyone. And that's the message of Christmas. That God wants everyone. No matter what you've done. Listen to me. If, no matter what you've done. What you've been up to. You know God wants you. Desperately wants you. You know, your friends may be done with you, or somebody else may be done with you, your parents may be done with you, your kids may be done with you, but God is not done with you. Right. He wants you. Why? Because Second Peter tells us why. Because God is patient. Praise God. God is patient because He wants everyone to turn from sin. And no one to be lost. And so God sees Ahaz. He's terrified. He's scared. He's under attack. He ought to be terrified. And he's worried. And God said, you don't have nothing to worry about. Listen, I'm here. I'm here for you. I don't want you to be lost in this. Pay attention to the sign. You know, if you don't pay attention to a sign, you can get lost. And he's saying, here's a sign for you. I want you to turn. I want you to know that the sign is for everyone, including fill in the blank. Church mice are working. Sign number two. The sign of Emmanuel offers me courage. You know, I thought strange here is that the first time this sign is given it's during a time when there's people are terrified Ahaz is terrified 
He's full of fear. You know, fear is a very powerful emotion. It's one of the first ones we learn, and it stays with us the longest. And I thought, why am I talking about fear? Halloween was a couple of months ago. Because even at Christmas time, people are afraid. Even when this, with Emmanuel, this, even with life still is a, is scary. Even at Christmas. I read this just this week. Cornell University did a study just last August. And they, and they, they found that 85% of the things you and I worry about never happen. They never ever happen. And, let's, and if we were honest, if we were just be honest, we all face moments where we have fear and anxiety going on. Am I right? Or something. I worry. Uh, I'm glad you weren't here Thursday night or Thursday afternoon. I'm working on this sermon. It's driving me up the wall. Me and sermons do not get along. I do not like you. Well, you know, I'm not too crazy about you either, Tim. And I'm working on this sermon, and I'm overthinking it, and I got all this, and all this work. I got, I got uh, changes coming in the business. I got, I'm 65 changes coming. I'm arguing with Social Security about my Medicare premiums. I mean, I got all this junk going on. I mean, if I haven't got anything to worry about, I will find something to worry about. And Thursday afternoon, I'm walking around here yelling and screaming. I am so frustrated. God, I'm going to look like a fool up there. Help me out, they're crying out loud. Where are you? I'm afraid. I'm worried. I'm scared. And if it's not that, I worry about my wife. I worry about she's going to be okay. And if it's not that, it's the kids. And if it's not that, it's those grandkids. And by the way, when you, listen, you get a text, a tweet, you look at something on the news, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. Right? Emmanuel says, you can find courage. I'm walking around praying, walking around in circles, walking around through this chairs, praying for you all, praying for me, and it hits me. You need to do what your sermon says, Tim. You need to, you need to be careful here and stay calm and don't be afraid because the sign of Emmanuel promises you that God is with you. Write this down. 1 John 4, 8. 1 John 4, 8. What does it say? Well, the ERV says it this way. Where God's love is, there is no fear. If I am loved by God and God is with me, I don't have nothing to fear. Now, I'm, by the way, I know that's a true statement. But it's sure hard to believe that, huh? It's so important we believe this. It would, it would, it would do such wonders if we just believe this. I was reading that the top 25 prescriptions, whoa, the top 25 prescriptions given to people in America today, of the top 25, five of them are for anxiety disorders. The only thing that rivals these five prescriptions, there's five others in the group on blood pressure. 
I just wonder how much blood pressure would be relieved if we didn't have worry and anxiety going on. I just wonder. I'm not, listen, I think medication is good, but I just wonder sometimes where's all this? Because I know worrying and anxiety does create a lot of stress and a, and a lot of physical problems in our lives. But see, the, Emmanuel confronts our fear and comforts and confronts our fear and says, God is with you, so don't be afraid. Hey, look at Christmas. And there's a lot of fear going on. Look at this up here on the screen. Joseph faces a dilemma. And look at what God says to Joseph. Don't be afraid, Joseph, Joseph, son of David. Mary is confused and she's got some anxiety. In fact, she's worried. And look what it says here in Luke 1. Don't be frightened, Mary. God is quick to address our fear. He's quick to come and say, you need to be able calm down. Be careful. It's going to be okay. The shepherds are blindsided. What in the world? What is this all about? And the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Ahaz is terrified. These two kings and their armies are pounding at the doors of the city. And look here in Isaiah 7, 1 through 2. It says, when the news came, it says, the hearts of the king and the people trembled with fear as trees of a forest shake in a storm. You've seen trees during a thunderstorm and they're whipping around. You know something's about to happen. Something's crazy. This isn't going like this, like palm trees in Hawaii, honey. No, this is crazy time. And they're shaking like that. And yet God reassures Ahaz, everything's going to be okay. Look at this passage here in your notes here in Isaiah 7, verses 4 and 7. This is what God says. Be careful. Keep calm. Do not be afraid. Do not lose heart. Because these two smoldering stubs of firewood are not going to harm you. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. I, I couldn't help but notice it said, be careful. Why is he saying be careful? Because fear leads us into a lot of bad choices, folks. It keeps us in our house. It keeps us from speaking up. It keeps us from taking a risk, a, 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 a bold step, a courageous step in our faith. It keeps us from growing. It keeps us from change. Verse 9, look at this in Isaiah 7. He, God goes on to say to Ahaz, you have no reason to fear. Believe this or you will not survive. It's that critical you get this. That you, that you understand, I am with you. And then he says to Ahaz, hey, ask for a sign. Ahaz, I will give you one. Just ask it. You can search for it. Where, whatever you make it up, I don't care. And I will give you that sign. He said, there's no reason to be afraid. And he assures him, it's not going to happen. And if you're going to get, if you want to get through this, you've got to believe this. So let you say the sign. Give me the sign and I'll give it to you. I know what you, some of you might be thinking, well, Jesus says that's wrong to ask for a sign. God's saying, asking him to ask me. Kind of like Moses. How do I know I'm supposed to be the guy? Put your stick on the ground. He puts it on the ground, turns into a snake and pick it up by the tail. Smart. Turns back into a stick. Put your hand in, over here. Now take it. 
take it out. It's all oh, leprosy. Put it back in there. I take it back out. Oh, it's cleared up. I will take care of you. It's throughout the scriptures, God gives signs to people. Uh, Gideon, here, here's a sign. Uh, I'm with you. And he said, well, how do I know? Well, uh, ask for a sign. I want you to make, I want to hang, put this fleece out, this beautiful lamb's fleece. I want it to be wet and the ground dry. Okay, and he does it. And then Gideon's thinking, okay, well, maybe we ought to try it the other way around. You know, somebody late at night could have put water all over that fleece. So let's try it the other way around. Make the fleece dry and the, and the ground wet. And he does that. Moses gets his sign, he's bold. Gideon gets his sign, he's brave. God offers Ahaz a sign giving courage. And this is a sign you and I can get courage from. You see, God doesn't want you and I to live in fear, but to be bold. Look at the Bible says here in Psalms 125, verses 1 through 2. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, by, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. You see, there's no really, there's no reason. This is what my faith, my feelings tell me there's a reason to fear, Tim. My faith says there's no reason to fear. You really don't have one, Tim. There's not a good enough reason to be afraid. But but I got a diagnosis. You're not, there's no reason to be afraid. But I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. There's no reason to be afraid. I will provide. I don't know how, how, to, how, dress, how to deal with this problem. Don't worry about it. I'll give you the help you need. This sign of Emmanuel gave Joseph and Mary courage to trust God. And this sign gives you the courage. Listen, it gives you, it encourages you to trust the Lord. And there's where you find your courage. It's a sign for everyone. It's a sign for, it's a sign of courage. But it's also a sign that shapes the future. One of the things that I really couldn't get around is how this works out for Ahaz. I really was troubled by this. This isn't the nice Christmas, a Christmas story. It's, it doesn't sound very Christmassy. What do you mean? Well, this sign to Emmanuel is a sign of hope, but it also can be a sign of heartache. It all depends on what you and I do with it. I mean, think about it. If God offered you a sign, I'm going to give you a sign. Name it, and I'll do it. What would it be? Bring somebody out of the grave? Now, I can see God bending or done that. What? What is this? What would, would that be something? If God said, I want to give you a sign. Name it. I don't know about you. If I was Ahaz, I'd have jumped on that. Ahaz says no. No. And he says something kind of, you know, real pious like. He says, I would never test God that way. The truth is, is Ahaz has already decided what he's going to do. He doesn't want God involved in this. He's already talking to Assyria. That superpower that's bad, man. He's already talking to them. 
and negotiating with them. He's not wanting to trust the Lord with this. And the Bible says that God gave Ahaz the sign anyway. Let's read it. Then Isaiah said, here's what Isaiah says after Ahaz says no. Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. He'll eat, he will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of those two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you, listen to this, the Lord will bring on you and your people and on the house of your father a time, a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. Ahab says, I, this sign doesn't matter to me. I don't have anything to do with it. And because he doesn't trust it, because he doesn't believe it, it isn't a, it isn't a sign of hope. But he, he just gets a sign of heartache. Chapter 7 finishes with this graphic description of Israel being completely wiped out. As if locusts had took over. As if, as if uh, every, all the animals are down. There's hardly any animals left on the farms. That the leaders of Israel, including Ahaz, his beard is shaved, his head shaved. All the hair from his body has been shaved off in humiliation. Doesn't sound real Christmassy, right? It happens exactly as God predicted. Ahaz says no, and it's good at first. See if this doesn't sound familiar. It's good at first. Those two kings do get wiped out. But in the long run, it gets worse and worse and worse. And when we say no to God... When we say, we say, I don't want to, I don't want to include you. When we sidestep his solutions in our marriages, in our lives, in our emotions, in our financial decisions, we say, well, I'm going to do it this way, Lord. Don't even consult him. I don't care what, I'll give you a sign. No, don't, don't bother. I don't even want to know what you want. We ask for more trouble, more heartache. Second Chronicles 28 describes all the things that are happening to Ahaz and, and Judah. And look what it says here in verse 20. Higlath-Pileazar, king of Assyria, came to Ahaz, but he gave Ahaz trouble instead of help. You see, this is what happens when you don't pay attention to a sign. You don't pay attention to a sign, you end up somewhere else. You don't pay attention to a sign, you don't get where you're supposed to go. You don't pay attention to a sign, some signs, you can get really hurt. High voltage. I wonder if that's true. Bridge out. I wonder if that's really true. See, Assyria comes. They come to the doorstep of Jerusalem. They wipe out Israel. They take the northern kingdom. They take Syria, Damascus. They've got it all. And they're bearing down. 
on Judah. It's not better, it's worse. And if you read your history books, you find this, what you find out is this. Assyria is unable to take care of, of, able to take on Judah. They're unable to overpower them. God delivers them again in his grace. He keeps delivering them. He is rebellious as they are. And God, there's a lot of things that don't happen to you and I because God's better than us. He's so much better. Thank God it's about his goodness, not mine. I'd be in trouble. Babylonian king comes along. And as Assyria is trying to eat away on Judah, boom, like jaws, boom, boom, boom. Assyria is gone. Babylonia is now here. And they take Judah, lead them away into captivity. After a while, Babylonia looks like it's got it all together. Here comes Persia. And it swallows up Babylonia. And then after Persia comes Alexander the Great and the Greeks. And after the Greeks come the Romans. You say, so what I'm saying to you is, is the future. God doesn't always, guys, there's going to be problems ahead for us all the time. That's what I'm realizing. Because in Israel's backyard, Assyria and Babylonia and, and Persia and, 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 and Greece and Rome are all fighting. It's kind of like we're kind of like those two cave people watching two dinosaurs fighting in your own backyard. And you're just trying to stay out of the way. You don't get crushed. Terrifying? Yes. You see... The United States isn't going to be always be around. The government's not going to be strong enough to take care of you and me. If you haven't figured that out already. And as this nation gets more lost and lost and, and, and ignoring the signs, it's important you keep paying attention to the sign of Emmanuel. Because the future has problems and victories for those who believe this sign and embrace the sign of a man that God is with us. See, after all these all these uh, dynasties and all these nations rise, then Jesus comes in the middle of Rome. He comes and he appears and like before he's saying this is for everyone and he promises he makes this is a promise a sign of promise this is a sign of courage not of fear you have nothing to fear do not let your hearts be troubled trust in God trust also in me But there's a sober warning in this sign. We have, we can't deny. I don't want us to miss. I don't want to miss. If I don't believe it, I won't survive. That's what he says there. Again, look what he says to King Ahaz. 
Either believe this, if you believe this, or you won't survive. I ask you this morning, do you believe in the sign of Emmanuel? Really trust him. John 3, Emmanuel said this. John records Jesus saying this. Look what Emmanuel says. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the Son will not have life, but will remain under God's punishment. You see, Joseph and Mary accepted the sign. The shepherds accepted the sign. They believed the sign. Ahaz said no to the sign. Religious man, but he didn't embrace the sign. He didn't trust that sign. And so here we are coming up to Christmas. And I want to encourage you to hear, to hear Emmanuel closely, who simply says to you and I, Believe this sign. Embrace this sign. Trust this sign. If you're worried, don't worry. If you're afraid, don't be afraid. It's hard to do, huh? But he's, that's what he said. He said, trust me, and you'll be okay. Be careful. Church, we need to be careful with this sign. Stay calm. Because God is with us. Let's pray. Father, we, we, we look at this sign, Father, that was first, first revealed almost 3,000 years ago. You fulfill it through a birth in a manger. And Father, you know, we hear, we, we hear things like, don't be afraid, don't be afraid from your word. Your son, Jesus, said, fear not. More than perhaps any phrase. Yet, Father, we persist in our fear. There's, there's things that are, that are frightening us now. We're uncertain. Help us, help us understand that you can you seal our future with this sign of Emmanuel, with Jesus. Help us to trust it, to believe it. I think of another sign that Jesus gave. He told to a generation, he said, I'll give you a sign. I'll be in the earth three days and I'll come out. And he did that exactly as he said, as he promised. Lord, help us to believe the promises. Help us cling to them. Regardless of what we hear, regardless of what we see, and most of all, regardless of how we feel, let our faith overpower our sight, overpower what we hear, overpower our emotions, and trust in your sign, the sign of Emmanuel. We ask, Father, in Christ's name. On bended knee I come, with a humble heart I come, bowing down before your holy throne, lifting holy hands.
Yeah. 